Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Team Show. Hey, listen, I've got a friend with me who was just with me not too long ago, and we had such a great conversation that I said, Vicky, we got to come back together. And I know y'all hear me say that sometimes at the end of shows, and you're probably wondering, did I ever get back together? Well, guess what? She's here. We're back together because there is more for us to talk about. And we just touched the iceberg the last time. And as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. Hey, it's time that you become the thought leader of your industry, and we're going to help you do that and make it fast, easy, and fun. So, Vicky, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's so good to be back. Yes. Happy now, day. <laughs> yes. Happy, happy day. And, and for us, it's Monday. Happy Monday to you. <laughs> right. And so today, let's have a conversation about mentorship and growing your team. Okay. And I know this is something that you're really, really passionate about. So actually, I'm just going to shut up and, and let you go from right there. Like, yeah. what is that looking like? What are you seeing in the world right now? You know, I, I see a lot of change happen, which, you know, change is hard and everybody doesn't really love it, but it's really necessary for us to grow. And mm -hmm. what you had, in addition to all of the results of the pandemic where people decided, uh, I want to do something different, that affected the atmosphere of an office itself. But also there are us baby boomers that are retiring or deciding to do something fun for the rest, <laughs> the last <laughs> maybe 30 years of our lives as I did. And so you have a really a lack of people to mentor in the workforce today. The young people maybe don't think of themselves as a mentor. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And so it's really an interesting situation we have. I know I was brought back in 2021 to go and lead a project because of this exact situation where all of the people that were familiar with what the project needed had left, had mm. gone. And so they needed to bring on a contractor. So here I was as an outside person, but a person who was seasoned yeah. and... <laughs> And had been there, done that, has the t-shirt and the hat. And it, it was interesting how I spent a lot of my time trying to mentor the young people as to not only just in the project that I was working on, but just in management and navigating this world of being in a corporate situation. And I think when we have a workforce that's smaller, maybe leaner is a better word, you tend to forget how important it is to help those below you, beside you, even sometimes above you as a mentor. And it, it really, it is a necessary piece of being a great leader. Yeah. And the more that you do this, help each other, and it's not teaching as much as listening. Hmm. A mentor is not really always thought of a teacher. You may share ideas, share things, but a true 
mentor is one that gives you a playing field and says, if we could think about football, you know, here are a whole chart of plays that you can make. You need to decide what is the right play for that time. And not every play is going to work. Right. And as a mentor, so as the person that you're mentoring, your mentee is getting back and having these conversations with you and you're listening to what they're saying, it's your role then to be able to guide them as to maybe why something didn't work based on your experience, not a, you should have done this or you could have done that. It's really in your experience, this is what worked, but maybe in that situation with your behavior and your culture and everything like that, it's not going to work. So what right. will work? And that's where you bring out the playbook again and say, okay, well, that play didn't work. Let's try something else, you know? And there are times, again, if we can stick with football, <laughs> where you're going to get tackled and you're going to get run down and you're going to think that you should just stay on the ground and just <laughs> stop the beating. But it's really what you learn from that. You know, go back. And that's where a mentor comes in and, and asks, well, what went wrong? What went right? And what did you learn from that that you can take to the next time this happens again? Mm. So let me ask you this. As business owner looking at your organization, is there a sign that says we need mentorship? Sadly, I, you know, I rarely see that in companies where they proactively do that. And so what you see is sort of like a grassroots kind of situation where someone builds a relationship, which is key to mm -hmm. being a great mentor. So they started to build a relationship, not in the thought that they were going to be that person's mentor, but then they became that mentor. I would say probably all of my mentors in the 40 years that I was in corporate were people that just took a liking to me, if you can say it that way, and decided to share ideas, thoughts, experiences that I learned from. And the best mentor is a person that, and I just recently had a quote, and I think it was, tell me, you can tell me, you can teach me, but if you involve me, I'm able to change, to really learn. If you hmm. tell me, I'm not going to really pay attention. If you teach me, I might pay attention. But if you t involve me, have me do the action, then I'm going to learn from that. Yes. And I think a lot of times that's what people do, and they don't realize that they're actually mentoring people. Uh, you will have managers that just because from an efficiency standpoint, well, if I let Vicky figure this out on herself, it's going to take her twice as long. But the thing is, Vicky's not going to remember. Vicky's yeah. not going to do it again that way. And I'm probably going to be frustrated because things didn't go well. And I was too embarrassed to ask questions, which is also, if you're a, a great mentor, will make the floor open for any questions. You know, there's no dumb questions. <laughs> kind of thing. And I think that's a, a lesson that a lot of people need to learn. Mm -hmm. If you are there one day longer than me, you can teach me something about that company, that culture, 
and uh, can be start to be my mentor. Absolutely. You know, as you were talking there, it reminded me and, and something we do, and I learned a long time ago of the I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I watch. No, you do, I help. You do, I watch. And that's the cycle that we take yeah. someone through when we're teaching them something new. That's excellent. Right? And it, it fits exactly that model. Mm -hmm. I told you, but I also then through the process involved you. Yeah. Right? So that you yeah. really got it and understood it. Does this start at the top? Is mentorship a cultural thing within an organization or I think just something that happens? Probably yes and yes. I think that if you have a strong culture, a culture that lasts for a long time, you'll see that the mentoring does start from the top. Maybe it's not as obvious, but any CEO or CIO, or, you know, chief executive officer, chief information officer, chief marketing officer, they need to really, again, if we go back to football, I don't know why today I feel like football, but I do. <laughs> they, you, you have to create a bench. Mm -hmm. And that bench has to be filled with people that are confident enough to take on your role when you leave the successor. And I think we still do a terrible job at succession planning in companies mm. where you have no bench. There is no bench. You want to do everything yourself or you feel that you're the top guy. And I don't know if they think somehow in the world that some magic wand is going to happen and the people below you are going to figure out how to do your job. So I do believe that everyone should be mentoring someone mm. to take on their role. You should always be looking for what you want to be and seeking out people that can help you get to that point. So for me, I, I was always taught you should be doing, looking to do the job that you want. So I always, like, if I saw somebody was doing something I thought was cool, I would become like this sponge and ask all kinds of questions. And whether they liked it or not, they became my mentor. <laughs> and so that's one thing. But the culture that you talked about, if a company doesn't have that, if a company doesn't express the time that should be set aside and valued to mentor people, it will not get done. Mm -hmm. It won't happen. It, it just won't. People will be putting out mm -hmm. fires. Mm -hmm. People will be leaving a company and they're trying to figure out what are we going to do instead of saying, okay, let's get some people on the bench so that we're prepared. And maybe three of the four people you have on the bench are not really the best fit. But this gives you time to see as you mentor them who is the best fit yeah. for that job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to stay there, but turn it just a touch. As the leader, the CEO, the CIO, the CMO, so whether it's department or the entire company, do you need a mentor? Yeah. When I first started and I was in the accounting firm, it wasn't really apparent that anybody was helping the, the top dog, the, the chief or the, what was it called? Anyway, the top guy. <laughs> and then whenever I went to the large transportation company, uh, I worked for the top guys. I worked for the, the C-suite and mm -hmm. 
before I even met them. I spent two months learning about the culture, about the individuals, about their family, trying to uh, understand who I was going to be supporting, not just the three that I supported, but all of the, the right. folks. And then what it was interesting, they, and again, this is in the 90s, and video was just really starting to yeah, be out there. And so all of these were truck drivers and had not the experience nor the desire to be in front of the camera. Right. And so they hired at more money than I charge <laughs> to train each of these folks to be able to be speakers, to be able to be great communicators, if you will. And what I learned there is from that, they realized that even though they were in that top job, they needed training too. They needed coaches. They needed somebody to seek. And so that's where you often see CEOs and whatnot maybe have a tribe of people that are in that same level that they can talk to. And it's important that you at that upper level have somebody that you can chat with that's been there, done that kind of thing, or that somewhat understands what you're going through so that you can talk with them and not, it isn't always the people that you work with because you right. want them to still think you know everything and do everything. So if you have this coach or this person that can be your advisor that is looking outside in, sometimes that's the best mentoring you can yes. get. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I often, and this is, I guess, somewhat bad, but I often tell people <laughs> when I'm interviewing them, if I know I'm not going to hire them, <laughs> that when they're doing an interview, you need to figure out, does this person that I'm going to be working for, do they have a coach or a mentor? Because if they don't, you don't want to work for them. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because you're not going to get it. You're not going to get mm -hmm. from them that which you need in order to be great at what you do because they're not getting it themselves. So because they don't have the model, they can't pass it along. Yeah. Right. And it's within that that the, the culture we were talking about a little while mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. really starts to get created. Yeah. Right. And because this is the cultures in any size company, too. Yes. To be understood. Two people or 100,000 people. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Now, in there, and you brought up something that's really interesting, that human nature, and that's what we want to talk about now, human nature <laughs> in the mentorship role, right? Yeah. And from the mentee especially, okay? So human nature says, I don't want to mentor you to do what I do because then you're going to take my job. Mm. Have you seen that? How mm. do you help? Or how do companies overcome that part of the mentorship culture? Sadly, or good. I, you know, I, I always try to see things from the positive side. So when I first became a uh, supervisor, mm -hmm. I was supporting two groups, large groups, and I had nine people working for me. And I, I reported up to the top department heads. And so one of the, but my direct manager was a person who was nearing maybe a few years from retirement kind of thing. And so he was assigning me things to do that really were his job. But I was okay, okay with that because 
I just thought, well, he's teaching me how to do these things and I need it because, you know, I need the experience. So I did everything. What I found that my involvement in those activities was never passed on to anyone. Mm. And when it came time for me to go into management, I always was held back by him. And what I realized was because if I moved, then he was going to have to do his own job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is and, one problem. And it just became really frustrating. And so finally, you know, enterprisingly as I could be, I found ways to make sure that people knew that I was the one that was doing the work and that I was able to take on those roles. Mm -hmm. But he was not someone that was teaching me to be better. He was teaching me to stay in my job. And I probably spent about seven years in a job that I could have been moved out of several times, mm. but they didn't want to lose me because like I do, my work ethic is do all you can do and more. And so sometimes that held me back in those situations until I got a person who understood mentorship. And as soon as I got under him, he worked with me constantly on teaching me what I needed to do to make that move. And within a year, I was promoted twice. Wow. By him. So it, it just really does fall into the culture. The other person was from the old truck driver kind of culture that, you know, you keep a person that's doing what they need to do where they are because the next person you put in that spot might not do it as well. But yeah. that's not a good way to be. It isn't. You know, you really want people to excel, to go outside their comfort zone and show that they can do it, be challenged and overcome that challenge. And the company will be better for it. And thinking that, well, I'll, I'm not going to find another person that can do that. Well, then you suck at interviewing. Sorry about that. But you do. Because as you said, if when I'm interviewing somebody for that position, it, it's, you know, especially where I was, it wasn't one that took major intelligence or degrees and things like that. It just was the right attitude. And yeah. so that is where I said that lesson came. It taught me I don't hire for skill set only. I hire for attitude. I hire yes. for core values. I yes. hire for, you know, what you did as a volunteer. And I think we talked about this last yes, time. But those are all things that make anybody that I get, if I get the right person, I can get them to the point where that first job might not be the perfect job for them, but you can mold them to get to where they want to go. And that's yes. always should be your goal is to try to get that person to that next level to challenge themselves to make their job always one that is going to be fulfilling as well as encouraging to go to work. You know, you want to. Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would like to submit this to you and get your feedback on it and your thought. And to me, a lot of it too has to do with, which is what you're saying, I believe, having an open and growth mindset. Right. If you're not hiring mm -hmm. people who are willing to grow, then what they do is they get entrenched in where they are and they become protective and defensive of it. 
right? Like that first guy. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't want to let anything come in. Yeah. Right? Which also means they're not growing. They're not mm-hmm. getting better. And if they're not getting better and they're just stagnating right there, then that also affects the entire organization as oh, well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. We had a, a young lady, and, and just an example on this, we just had a young lady who just left us a few weeks ago who fell into this. We hired her before someone went out on maternity leave. And she came in to take over for the person who went out on maternity leave. Her natural first question was, hey, they're going out on a maternity leave. When they come back, does that mean I, I'm out of a job? We said, no, because they're going to be moving to a different position when they come back. She just never could get that. And she wanted to hold on to it, to that position. And, and you know, she was still new. And <laughs> she wanted to hold on to that position so much. And the fear that this person was going to come back and she would have to change caused her to quit. Yeah. I know I work with our sales team for a two-year assignment. And I had to go in. I went in as a subject matter expert working with our top customers. And so my job was to just first fix any problems and then move on to what my original objectives were. And I had this one salesperson and they had a large company as their client of ours. And they were terrible in terms of support. They were doing just the minimum, but this client didn't know that they were doing just the just minimum. The minimum. Yeah. And so then I was going in there and with these other people that were open to change and open to new ideas and open to growing in their job as a salesperson. But this person refused to meet ever with us. Mm. And it was really frustrating because I knew that we could help this company grow their business if they would just let us bring them into the 21st century. And the person, they were terrified that this, they would be found out, if you will. And so they just never would allow us to go in. So you have to think about that. Whenever you interview, ask the question of the person, or if you're an interviewee, I should say, you should ask, well, what's beyond this job? Yeah. What's your promotion policy? And so some companies, if they're not open-minded, I guess, they may think, well, why are you asking about this? You don't even have this job yet. But for me, that showed me that growth mentality, that they want to know more, that I could throw challenges to them that would take them to the next level and it would be okay. And if they didn't ask those questions, if they think, well, you know, I want to be in this position and I just want to sit at my computer and do this job all the rest of my career, then that's probably not the right person for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I I told you we were, I was a little bit late to this time with you because I was interviewing someone and at the end, it was a, a group interview. And at the end, we talked about the candidate and my comment was my one concern is their upside. Like the position we're hiring them for is exactly where they want to be and where they plan to be forever. Like, Mm. so how much do they really want to grow? Okay. Now the the, the flip side of that though, and and let me ask you this, because there are people who come in and they ask about your plan for advancement for them. 
and what the path is because they're not happy with where they're starting, mm. right? Or they think they're greater than they actually are for where they're starting. So as a business owner now, or someone doing an interview, how do you ascertain the difference between someone who has the growth mindset that says, hey, I am here and I want to grow and I want to know that there's a path for me to grow on versus the person who is a malcontent and taking a position because, okay, I'm going to start here, but I really want more and I want more money and I want to know how fast I can get more money out of you. How do, yeah. you, how do you tell the difference? So I guess that reminds me of a story of my early beginnings in the company that I worked for here in Atlanta originally. And I had been laid off from my previous job as they moved, the company moved to another state. And so I had a nice little package. I was just had a baby. So I was just coming off of maternity leave. And I now have two kids in daycare. And I had skills that I knew would put me into being uh, good in the training department. Mm -hmm. But I had experience a lot of experience in front desk and receptionists and secretaries supporting people. So the company that hired me, though, was thinking, well, we're going to put everybody, especially if you don't have a degree, in this lowest position. And then you're going to just feel it out for a while. And then, you know, we'll see where it can go. Right. And I was the person that was bringing in people. I was in the recruitment group as a temp. Okay. So I'm giving away all these jobs that I know I'm qualified for, <laughs> all these jobs. And, but they needed me to keep on doing what I was doing as a temp. And so all these jobs are going. And finally, I had to say to them, I need to have a full-time job. <laughs> and so I just want you to know that this temp job is not the end-all be-all that I, I really would like to work for you all as permanent. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. But nothing's happening. So I went outside, had another interview that came in and this company was a management consulting company. And I had worked for them just for one week mm. and they called me back at, and they had said to me when they or work with them, if they created a position, would I take it? And I said, well, I guess. <laughs> and so they called and here I am wanting to work for this big company because I was laid off and I didn't ever want to be laid off again. Right. And this smaller company is offering me more money than I was making before, which was good because two kids mm -hmm. in daycare. Mm -hmm. And so I went and put in my notice to the big company and they said, oh, here's a job. And it was this job that barely made as much as I was making in my previous job. So not going to be paying for my daycare. And I, I said to them, I need more. And it wasn't a question of insult to my skill set or anything, but it was financial. And so yeah, I had yeah. to tell them that I had to say, I have this to pay out in daycare. I, I used to make this and now I'm going to be working for the top people. And so then all magically, the job working with the C-suite came up and matched what I was making. But it wasn't like I was playing them. So I think always honesty is the best policy. 
Absolutely. guess that that story is trying to say is that you need to be clear with the person that's hiring you, especially, you know, this relationship that you hope to have as you become an employee should be one that's open and honest. And so if you can't tell them in the beginning, hey, this is the story of Vicki and her life. And, you know, and this is what I need and why I need it. And if they can't meet it, then that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, it wasn't that I was trying to maneuver anything from them. I was just trying to make a decision between A and B and A is going to do this and B wasn't. And I really wanted to work with that big company. So luckily they changed. But Yeah. So this has been a, a great conversation. And, you know, it's one that I hope that, that as people listen to this, because we, we, we dove deep, right? You know, in our first time, we, we kind of, we talked a lot, a lot of bigger things. But here we really started looking at this concept of mentorship and at all different levels in the cultural and so on and so forth. But before we go, what would you say to a business owner listening to us who's recognizing that, you know what, maybe I don't have a culture of mentorship right now in my company. Mm-hmm. What would be the thing? What would be the starting point for them to change? Yeah. Uh, oftentimes a company that doesn't have mentorship also doesn't have a great orientation. So for me, a mentorship should start at orientation that either you have. Great point make you make it known that it's available and it should be formalized in the sense that how to get a mentor should be made known and if you don't do that if you just have your department heads and your management team in that department all of them should be trained and be made aware that part of their job description their responsibility is to their employees yeah the employees are their best and biggest asset and they need to understand that and they can't be effective as a manager as a leader and that department will not meet its numbers if their people are not happy and are not growing and you don't want to have you know it's great to say that you have 30 or 40 years at a company But for me, I had like 25 jobs in those 27 years I worked at at the company. And you want that because that shows you're continually growing. You're challenging yourself. Some of those moves may be lateral, but it's still different. Mm -hmm. And different makes your job interesting and making you want to come to work every day. And that's what you want from your people. So you should look at what you have and see, is it best that you have a formal, you know, mentoring training as well as mentoring options. But I I think it really has to be that every manager and supervisor that you have needs to understand that part of their role is to be a mentor to the people that work under them. Absolutely. Vicki, once again, session number two was fantastic. Not that I'm surprised. (laughs) Not that I'm surprised, but do this for us. Uh, tell everybody, who are you? Who do you serve? What do you do? Because you've got all of this wealth of knowledge. Where does all this come from? What do you do and who do you serve? And how can they reach you? So who I serve right now are, I try to concentrate on female entrepreneurs because I really think that 
for me, it was something that was lacking is having a female to be your mentor, your coach, your confidant, if you will. So I try to connect entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, with other people in the business that can help them. So my mm -hmm. podcast, the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast, has now over 200, and I posted today oh, wow. 205 205th episode. So I have over 200 episodes that can help you learn social media, marketing, PR advice, advice on mindset, advice on dealing with anxiety, especially as an entrepreneur, we do have a roller coaster that we go on. So all of that's there. My coaching is on helping you find your voice. You and I know, I think that being a good communicator is key to every aspect of our lives. Yes. No matter what your age, no matter what your position, you can have the best product or service, but people buy you. And so if you can't convey authenticness of vulnerability and be able to have them know, like, and trust you, they are not going to buy your product. Yes. They'll just go to someone else. So uh, being a good communicator in what we're talking about today as a mentor is really key. How well do you listen? Do you know how to actively listen? Are you always telling rather than listening? Yes. And so all of those things, I work with people to be more comfortable. And we know that in this world today, you have to be comfortable in video and online. And so I teach that. I have some free uh, sessions to help you check up your setup. Um, yeah. And then I have a few books out there and I also have an anti-aging and wellness business because I don't want you to say you're not going to go online because you have lines or wrinkles or shadows <laughs> and you can't be a great speaker if you don't have good wellness. And so my so business true. helps you with this. <laughs> so true. Absolutely. And, to, and again, you can just go to my website to find out about my leadership track to talk about what we talked about today, how to be a 21st century leader, how to overcome your fear of public speaking. And also you can see how to get to some of my products to make you look younger and not 65. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the anti-aging is also very, it's super, super important. But, yeah. you know, I, I love the name there, the, the 21st century leader, because mm -hmm. yeah, leadership is different. And it is you know, so different. It's in this, especially post-pandemic world, things have changed so much. And you've been so gracious now, twice here, sharing some really, really great stuff. Loved what we talked about today about mentorship. And, and listen, if you're listening to us and, and you're in this place where mentorship is a word you don't even understand, mm. you need to reach out to Vicky. If you're listening to us and mentorship is, is something that you understand, but you know you've not done a really great job of, and how do you know you didn't do a great job? Maybe you burned through people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe, you know, people are, it's like a revolving door in your company of people coming and going, or you're always frustrated because they're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Might be time to reach out to Vicky and, and learn about becoming this 21st century leader. Vicki, thank you so much again welcome. for being here. <laughs> it was always a pleasure. I uh, could come back all the time. You just, it, 
bring out the best in me. <laughs> oh, well, well, thank you. Thank you. And we will have to do it again sometime soon. And for everybody, go to Vicky's website. It's time for you to become the 21st century leader your business needs mm -hmm. you to be. Listen, you will not be able to achieve the greatness that your business is supposed to achieve if you don't grow. It's all about you. You have to grow. Go to Vicky's website, check her out, become that 21st century leader. As always, I'm Atiba. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you guys real soon. Vicky, thanks. Bye-bye now. Bye,